Warning, this show of ours, before I forget, may contain some themes and ideas and other crap that you may find offensive. We're sorry. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the opinions and ideas expressed in this show, this podcast, this thing of ours called Before I Forget, are our opinions alone. They do not represent the Army or any other organization. It's just us talking. Anyway, thank you for listening to Before I Forget and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget. And uh, just had to make a couple quick little edits on this show. The audio sounded bad, so we fixed it. And because of that, we're going to give you guys free audio of us putting together a show so you get to see how that sounds uh once again thank you to listening to before i forget don't forget to share it and like listen and subscribe and all that cool guy shit and we'll talk to you later my finger my finger slipped off the (laughs) so i just stopped everything we start all over good thing it happened then and not like way later all right sorry about that we'll start again that's all right was there a handle somewhere that needed jiggling like an old toilet Man, my finger slipped <laughs> off this button. It's wild. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So now I'm going to start the roadcaster recording now. I'm going to start the music in five, four, three, two, one. Hey everyone, it is Tyree and Kevin, and welcome to Before I Forget. Hey, and walk with the music, man. Walk with the music. Always walk with the music. You can always count on him to have a good soundtrack, right? Absolutely. Speaking of Walker, hello, Walker. Well, hi everybody. How you doing? Doing great. Shit, chilling. You know, you know how it goes. And uh, you may introduce your guest. Well, I'd love to. Uh, tonight we're joined. By my darling wife, Sierra. Sierra, please say hello. Hello, everyone. Hey. 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 <laughs> Only appropriate time the, to use these was that damn. The yes, it was. <laughs> Only appropriate time to use those damn buttons. Okay, so. <laughs> and they will never be used again. Uh, never. So, never. So, uh, Sierra, you are familiar with our show. Um, Hopefully, Uh, you've listened to several hours of Walker go on about stuff. So you have a mild (laughs) understanding about how things operate here. So usually uh, we would talk about people's military experience, but I don't believe you have any, right? No. Okay. So give us a little bit of background information about you. Sure. Uh, Well, I was I was. Uh, born in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and, and raised up in Green Bay, and, um, you know, youngest of four kids. I went to uh, tech school for graphic design, and uh, along the way, um, you know, met Chris, and the rest of it, you know, kind of kind of flows from there, but yeah, we, um, you know, been here 
my whole life, and it's nice. I, it's been pretty good. That's that's my story. Um, so lacrosse, I've uh, I was talking about it with Walker not too long ago, but so I'm still in the army, right? And I I, I did a a job up there last year at Fort McCoy, and lacrosse, uh, we used to go there to hang out. It's a beautiful town. I really liked it there. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean it's got the uh, it's got a university there. Mm-hmm. Um the the joke is that that's where all the gym teachers go. You can find a lot of lesbians in lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, something about that story smells fishy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, where's the bad joke th- uh, tire- trombone. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Here we go. Yep. Wait. Yep. There we go. Oh, okay, sorry. Close. I was. I wasn't. I wasn't close enough. Yeah, close, close enough. Close enough. Close enough. Okay. Um, so go ahead. Yeah. No. So so you you guys. When did y'all? When did y'all officially? Hang on. When did y'all meet? When did y'all yeah, first so, learn of each other? Yeah, we we met. Um, it was just a, just after Thanksgiving of of two thousand four. Um, and as Walker said in a previous episode, um, it was on hotternots.com. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll have to share the, the picture with you guys so you can see it. But um, I, I saw this picture um, of, of a young man that looked like it was fake. Um, honestly, it looked like something out of Time magazine. Um, and so I sent him a message and it, basically calling him out on it like <laughs> like nice. hey you know, why why would you use a fake photo this is supposed to be for fun um and then he followed up with uh with another picture um that one was in front of the golden minaret which mm. i later learned okay. um and he was very much real um he was he, he is was not he was not faking it and you know he had a little profile about himself and it just said you know he was a a single guy in Iraq, um, you know, from Green Bay, looking to just chat with people from back home, and so that's that's kind of how things kicked off. Nice. I think that's hilarious that like your first your first exchange was you trying to call him out. On a oh photo. yeah, yeah. Well, just wait. Like I said, I'll share the picture. You can maybe post it to the Facebook group too. But even his old man used to call. What did he call that? The the time picture. Well, yeah, that picture in question, my dad would, he called it the Time Magazine photo. He said the picture looked good enough to be on the cover of Time Magazine. There you go. It's all black and white, and he's staring off into the distance in his uniform. Oh, majestic as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I look, I look thoughtful and, and <laughs> pensive. And... Sweet. So, um, you said uh, around November 2004. Around November 2004, the rest of us were uh, someplace else, right? Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Ooh, goddamn. Or what? Yeah, damn, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. No. November 04, we were we were living at uh, Patrol Base Uvani, um, in inside of uh, Samara after Baton Rouge. Yeah. yeah. So we were actually close to being done with it all. Matter yeah, of fact, so all, that, that might have all been those communications the, uh... were from that patrol base. All the ones I sent back to Sierra, Sierra, then and she called out there too. We had that little bank of telephones, and we yeah. we talked on the phone here and there too. Oh, so yeah, you guys I have... uh, got to be in contact even there. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I have. I actually I told Walker this. I I still have some of the original emails that we exchanged. That's um, cool. And so it's funny because, like, there's, you know, hearing you guys all tell these stories, I can connect it back to the tail end. Um, you know, there was a he had certain time limits right? Like he could only be on the computer for so long mm-hmm. um, or the phone for so long. Um, I, I remember one time um, Messer got tired of having to stand in line and I think they bailed because it was so long because um, it was like hours. And I don't know if that's right, but I remember at one point he was like, yeah, we, we had to wait like an hour and it was still the line was still too long. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that was that was a pretty common thing because you got to think this building that we were in, there was our company and um, Charlie Company of One Two Six, or Alpha Company. I'm sorry, Alpha Company of One Two Six. I believe it might have been Alpha. Or Charlie, I can't remember which. It was but, Alpha, yeah. Yeah, um, and so we were all living out of that building. And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, so that that room that the internet was set up in, I think, was just used by Bravo, but it was the entire company, and you know, a handful of computers, maybe eight, um, maybe. And actually, yeah. the time that you might be thinking of, um, so oftentimes, like, whenever, you know, whatever, there was a casualty of some type, or whatever, you know, they would black out the phone lines and the internet and everything. Mm-hmm. And so whenever that's lifted, there's usually a rush to get on those things to let people back home know that, you know, everything is fine and so on and so on. So that might have been a time like that. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Um, so I I didn't. You know, my grandparents were in the, my grandfathers, both of my grandfathers were in the military. Um, but aside from that, like, I had no experience with military. Um, so this all, all of this was completely new. Like, call me naive. I, I had no concept of what in the world I was getting myself into. And so, you know, I remember, like, there's an exchange and, and then I was used to hearing from him at a certain point every day he would make a point to just touch base. A small email. I mean, it was very much like, you know, how big is your family? Uh, you know, what kind of car do you like to drive? I mm-hmm. mean, very basic stuff. And then there was a two-day period where I didn't hear from him. And this was probably, I don't know, mid-December at this point. And I, so we're almost a month into to chatting. And I got nervous. Um, you know, two days hadn't heard from him, and you know, there's news stories about things going on over there, and you know, that was the first time I realized, like, oh, I kind of like this guy because um, I'm <laughs> I'm worried about him. And uh, two days later, he he finally emailed, and that's exactly what it was. He explained to me that there was a, a communications blackout, and you know, <clears throat> looking back at a lot of his emails, it's funny how nonchalant that kind of stuff was for him like oh yeah we had a communications blackout that happens from time to time we just keep going like it's good that he didn't try to like embellish it like oh i was in the middle of a fire fight like right now and i just got down (laughs) a half a million people and i ran back to this computer so i can talk to you like (laughs) i'm still covered in their blood and guts and and motor oil and motor oil. Oh, and oh. here he is. Yeah, that's love. Yeah. It would have. It, it couldn't have been written better if it was on fucking Valentine's Day. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so, a story I like to share with my daughter too. When I when I tell it, I, I church up the story for her, and <laughs> you know, it's a story about a you know a prince who's in a faraway land, and there's a princess <laughs> back in some other place. And I mean, yeah. now if I try to tell it to her, she's almost nine. She gets embarrassed, but she used to love it. Oh, yeah. that's pretty funny. That's good. But yeah, he, you know, he would talk about, I mean, hearing mortars, you know, while he's typing emails or, you know, even on the phone with him, um, you know, it's just, it was it very surreal. Um, again, you know, having never experienced anything like that and not having anybody there personally at the time, he was the first connection I had, um into that kind of a world and you know i have a, a picture of of him standing in an ied crater mm-hmm. that i mean that thing was huge yeah um, and that's talking a hell about, of a way like, to get introduced to somebody yeah right <laughs> so um i was gonna say like so you know our families right like our parents and and all that stuff like i used to tell my family like if you know if, if there's a communications blackout um and note like and you don't hear from me or the army if you don't hear from anybody no news is good news right um because you know if 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 it were if i was a casualty then um they're obviously not going to hear from me and they're not going to hear from any of my buddies they're going to hear from the army so if, if nobody's knocking on their door then no news is good news you know i'm likely safe but you didn't you didn't really have that luxury right because you didn't really you didn't fall into that that category no. and it was um, weird because it's not like we were in a relationship. Like, keep in mind, we are thousands of miles away from each other. Don't really know each other other than these these conversations of, of getting to know each other, right? But never met face-to-face. Um, our families don't know each other. Like, there's no connection um, other than the emails. Um, and so he, I mean, he made a point to, he gave me his mom's, email address um and did say you know hey if if you ever get worried if you don't hear from me reach out to my mom um and i and i did at one point um i think it was during that two-day blackout that was the first time i had reached out to his mom um just to say hey you know you haven't heard anything right (laughs) (laughs) um you know she doesn't know me i'm some random woman (laughs) her son met online um, sitting here going like, hey, is he okay? But um, she was really cool about it, and like I said, he turned up. But um, it was a, it was just a very bizarre thing to try to explain, you know, even to my family. Um, like, okay, so you met this guy, but you don't really know him, and he's over there, and um, so there's concern, obviously, um, uh, and and a little bit of fear, and and it turned into phone calls right so i got to hear his voice before i actually got to see him face to face um you know the first time he called me was new year's eve um it was Mm. i don't know had to be really early in the morning we're um over in iraq because i remember him calling me it was i don't know nine or ten o'clock at night i want to say was our first call it's a it's a nine hour difference from uh from there to here from central uh time zone uh but uh, so i just i I, you know and i was talking to Tyree about this earlier today um one of the things that like i was really excited about like having you on was you know with with how y'all 
how y'all met, uh, quote unquote met, right? Because, you know, I wanted to kind of hear how that unfolded in that, that, because that's a really interesting dynamic. Because like you said, like, you didn't really know him. I mean, just a handful of exchanges here and there. But like, through those exchanges, you, you know, start to be like, this is a real person. Um, He seems nice. And he is, as you know, now know. Um, And he's a super handsome uh, fella. Right, as you know, Time um, Magazine quality handsome, like tip top. You know what I mean? Um, like the term I used earlier, a, a, a dapper lad. And and so now, like you, you know, you're like, oh man, like what is going on? And this is your first experience with really the, the military or the the, the the war that's going on. And that's just, I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy, crazy story. And that's it's fun. Yeah, bit, that's quite a bit to deal with, man. That's a lot of anxiety relationship and what's crazy is you didn't even really have to at any point in time you could have been like well uh you could have just ghosted them i mean you know what i mean you could have just stopped responding and and let it be that but you kind of kept at it and i think that obviously says a lot about well you one you calling them out um on the first exchange and then staying in in touch with them because you, you realize he's a real human um who seems genuinely nice and everything that says a lot about your character well thanks i mean I mean, you've seen his face. That's yeah. really what, that was the hook, line, and sinker was, was his face. I mean, yeah, hotornot.com. That's all, I mean, it's all about the face. That's I mean, great. That was, that was, that was tender before uh, Tinder. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would have, I would have uh, swiped right on him too. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, it was, um, I think what was really neat about the whole thing was just how much smaller our world was than we, than we had thought. Um, you know, he had mentioned in, in the previous podcast about, you know, his, his mom volunteered at the school that my mom taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this, these little pieces of our, our world kind of coming together back in, in Green Bay was pretty neat. And, um, I mean, we, we really perfected communication. So I think by the time we finally got to meet in person, we had talked so much um, that it's like we had known each other our whole lives. Um, you know, That's... I mean, like I was in college at the time too. I, I took night classes. And yeah, uh, how old were you at the time? I, I was 19. All right. Uh, so I was, you know, I was a baby. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had, I had just started college and, um, because I had taken a year off, and so I was busy doing that, and I'd get home, you know, 10 o'clock at night, um, 10, 10.30, and then um, I'd leave my laptop open. Um, eventually, Chris got, um, like, Yahoo Chat, Yahoo Messenger, that's what we used, yep. and uh, yeah, and so I would, you know, because I didn't know when he would be able to come online to talk, I would sleep with my laptop open uh, next to my head at night with a like a loud sound effect. So if he came online, it would wake me up and and I could talk to him. Wow. Um, how how like a motherfucker right there, man. <laughs> how is your brain doing? Because I feel like having a laptop right next to your head. I mean, <laughs> you know, considering I've stayed married to Chris for seventeen <laughs> or fifteen years, fifteen years. Prob- I mean, I'm sure there's brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> so, 
how did the uh when did you guys actually finally meet face to face yeah uh so that was february 19th um so he flew home february 18th it was a friday um and we were we had already set up like we were gonna have a date on sunday um, and we were going to go bowling and a friend of mine was going to be there so that it wasn't like awkward if it was just the two of us and it didn't go well. And the he messaged plan. me. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, you don't know how this is going to go. Maybe, you know, I don't know. You, you just don't know what you're getting into at that yeah, point. Yeah, man. So. Hey, you right. got to have an out. I uh, can't yeah. knock it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he got home Friday, messaged me, and uh, and we decided we didn't want to wait until Sunday. Um, I had a a Saturday morning class that I had to go to and we decided, well, let's meet up when you're, when I'm done with class. Uh, I didn't even last an hour in my class that morning. I left early. I couldn't concentrate. I was, I was all nervous and excited to go see him. So I left class early, um, drove over to his parents' house to meet him. And I tell him this all the time. I will never forget what he was wearing. He came out of his parents' house in a Pabst Blue Ribbon hooded sweatshirt. His <laughs> khaki, like, carpenter cargo pants. He had his Chuck Taylors, and he was wearing his, uh, I always get this one wrong. Is it the Combat Infantry badge? Uh, yes, I was wearing my Combat Infantryman badge cap, the one that uh, Master and I each had uh, matching hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the one. What an introduction! <laughs> so first time to meet. I mean, he he's he's dressed to kill, um, and you get to meet the family too. Well, so interestingly, we kind of skipped this. I uh, I actually had dinner with his parents and uh, his sister before I met him. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> She got to meet my family in person before she and I met. It's a whole, that's a whole uh, uh, courtship, like going like a hundred years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like the family's got to like, you know, vet her first. Like Chris, she is, she is, she is okay. You have our blessing. Well, we were establishing the dowry. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually had met them first um, and they were, I mean, they were lovely, um, you know, right right away they were wonderful um so when i went to go pick him up um i don't i don't think we even stepped inside if i remember you just came outside and i think we took off yeah that's how that happened just ditched everybody <laughs> yep all the build up and wait and you guys just hopped in the car and bounced it's awesome what yeah. you guys we do? had plans we had what was the plan do? yeah well, uh, we well, we had to go to Yonkers. What Remember? It, where? The department store. Yonkers, the department store. I was going to say, wow, that's a long drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, we, Yonkers uh, department store? <clears throat> yeah, he needed to pick up some dress socks. Um, he was going to be wearing his dress uniform to church with his mom on Sunday. Sweet. That's a hell of a first purchase as a couple socks, dress socks, for uh, the uniform for Sunday service. Well, you uh, wanted to ease into things. I feel like with how this has all started already, I mean, 
any anything out of the ordinary is in the ordinary. <laughs> you know, you guys are like an, an online courtship anomaly. Yeah, there's a lot of people, man, who try and strive to achieve what you guys have achieved. A choked? <laughs> yeah, a choked. I just said a choked. <laughs> to 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 get to hit the point, the spot where you guys are, man. It's fucking awesome. I've tried to do the whole uh online dating thing back when I was in Iraq also. It did not work out. So hats off to you guys, man. It's just, it's not easy, especially um for your particular circumstance. Yeah. Uh Chris, what was it like uh when I mean meet seeing her for the first time? Uh it was it was fantastic. I I was the happiest man alive when I got to see her face to face. Oh, where's the sound effect for that, Tyree? <laughs> hey, man, I told you I'm not going to use them. They have to be like, oh. hey, we can run the back if you want. So what was it like when you first met her the first time? <laughs> yeah. I was... <laughs> <laughs> Building the suspense. <laughs> No, that, that's awesome, though, man. Like to, to I mean, because you, you guys already had that correspondence. So, like Walker, like how, how, how nervous were you going into it? Uh, you know, we we'd just been through a whole year in combat, and uh, you know, I was more nervous getting to meet Sierra for the first time than I had been, you know, in the last handful of months when we'd been going out. It was <laughs> this. Uh, she meant a lot to me. At, at that point, and I was, uh, I was just hopeful that it would, it would, it would take off. You know. I mean, at this point today, do you feel like it has taken off? <laughs> I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting yeah. for that moment. Yeah, yeah. She's still, dragging still, its ass on the runway. Still working on it. Still it's working. the the long game, is what they call it. Yeah. So, um, how long were you home? And. Uh, what was it like leaving and uh, going back to Germany without uh, Sierra? Uh, well, I was home for, I had a 30 days of leave and I was home for, you know, about the full 30 days. Um, and it was, it was a bummer having to leave Sierra because we had, we met in person and then uh, I, maybe Sierra wants to tell the cute story of how we, we officially began our courtship and dating um, oh sure yeah there's there's some fun stories in that first 30 days because basically the second I picked him up we were pretty much inseparable um, we, we spent a, every day together for that 30 days and um, during that time he wanted to go and thank the students that had written you guys letters um, and you know my mom being the teacher it's easy enough to coordinate and nice, so he yeah. had, you know, he got all dressed up. He was, he was in uniform. And I think he even, I think he even brought like a model Bradley fighting vehicle. Hell yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and we were, we were standing in the hallway and all of these kids are standing around us. We're all waiting to get into the room. And uh, one of the, the kids, um, you know, they're, they're looking at him and finally when asked, like, oh, is, is this your your girlfriend? And he looked at me and he goes, well, what do you think? And I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah, this is my girlfriend. That is awesome. Um, and it's official. And in then the, uh, in, the eyes, in well, front of the eyes of children. 
Yeah. Yeah. They were watching yeah, the... magic before their eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it was cute because, you know, we go into the room and he talks a, a little bit about his stuff and then opens it up for the kids to ask questions. And, you know, they all always have really great questions. And my mom is sitting in the back of the room with the other teachers. And one of the kids asks um, out loud in front of the entire class, like, oh, you know, are you married? And he goes, no, but I, but I have a girlfriend. And he looks over at me. And my mom is sitting in the back of the room and you can hear this loud, like excited gasp come from her. Like, oh, like so excited. This is the most wholesome story I think that's been on our show. Yeah. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite even though it starts with the hot or not. Oh yeah, no. no I mean, that's... you know. Right. Have you heard our show? Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, so you know, and, it, and what's really funny is I, I I remember a lot of us being on hot or not during that time. Um, I had I had some photos on there that uh, that did really well, um, yeah. And then, but they never turned into anything like this, obviously. But but no, nobody 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 wanted me. Just I think it was for was it for your birthday, Chris, that I gave you the card that said you're the best thing I found on the internet. That is I'm hilarious. looking right at it. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, Chris has a pretty good story too, because um, you know, at a certain point. Um, when you knew that that you had me hooked, um, and this was still fairly early on too. Uh, yeah, yeah, you are such a talented storyteller with such a lovely voice. You you would <laughs> do well to tell this, um, yeah. be, only because it involves a, a medical procedure that you had undergone, and I don't know sure. what where to stop and where to. Oh God, HIPAA! Yeah. Wait a minute. Fair Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so I, I had uh, I was having some stomach troubles and, and I had to go in to have a, a scope done. And uh, my dad traveled a lot for work, so he wasn't around. And uh, my mom was a teacher. She, she had to go teach at school. And this procedure was booked while Chris was home. And so I asked if, if he would be willing to take me and, you know, drive me home after because they have to sedate me. And he, and he agreed and uh, you know, they put me under, and as as I'm in the recovery room, they they have him come back, and um, as he tells it, apparently I asked him to go to Vegas and get married. Word. Well, yeah, she, <laughs> she well. just was groggy, and she said, "Oh, let's let's go to Vegas. Let's get married. Let's elope." And and that's when I knew that I could just ask her to marry me at any point after <laughs> that, and she would be up for it so that, that was- yeah no i think you're absolutely right like i feel like whatever drugs they give you when you go into surgery or whatever like they're truth serums i'm mm-hmm. afraid if i ever have surgery and i get stuck with them like you know oh, coming out, they're gonna ask questions and i'm like i can't defend it i can't no no if you ever go into surgery let me know buddy i will be there to take care of you with <laughs> my camera sure <laughs> of course mm-hmm <laughs> No, so, that is that is seriously like insanely wholesome, and I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it, it gets it, better. It's, oh, okay. it's a hard bar for other people to live up to. It's a tough standard, you know, <laughs> to meet. 
Well, so he, so he, he came home February 18th. We meet in person February 19th. March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, um, he's supposed to fly back to Germany. And um, we went for a walk at a, at a park. Um, and he proposed. And an hour later, after he proposed and I said yes, he was on a plane back to Germany. Wow. So if I, I could probably count on all of my hands and toes, wait, and feet. What you, I, I can probably, that, that's how many hours do y'all think that y'all had in person? How many days? 30. 28. And, and y'all are still married today. Yeah, <laughs> somehow. Huh. Why are you so like surprised? Love happens. <laughs> hey, we're Not... just as surprised as you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I think it's I think it's abs- I think it's amazing. I love it. I mean, I ha- I hate it, but I love it because that's just. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you like you like to hear stories like that, especially like when you get to my age and you're still in the dating world or whatever, and it looks so bleak. Oh man! So to hear stories like this, you're like, oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. That so it is possible. I'm you're, you guys are just giving me hope, is all. Yeah. Well, all you got to do right now is go and open a hot or not account. I'm sure it's that's I, that's what I got to do. What am yeah. I doing? And just starts... I hear they have apps now. Yeah. Right? Where it's all it's all garbage now. Oof. It's all garbage today. No, but I think there's a hot or not app. What? I think so. I don't even. I don't even need that. Not even, don't even need that. He nope. just walks around smiling and looking good and just hoping that it works out for him. That, you yeah, understand, Kevin. You got a face that girls like that they're intimidated by, so you have to, like, I don't know, drug them. Yeah, oh my god, I am not pulling the Bill Cosby. Yeah, okay, hell no, options, options. So, um, back to Germany and separated again, uh, but engaged. So that's got to be a, a a fiery, romantic time for you guys, even though you're you're separated by an ocean. Yeah, we talked all the time. This was uh, so in 2005 that voice over internet protocol technology, the the uh, phones that most people use that don't connect to a regular phone line but use the the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one of those put in in my room in the barracks, and so you know I could cheaply make well was the equivalent of a local call and, and Sierra and I talked every day. Yeah. That would have been really cool to have. <clears throat> How much yeah. did that cost? I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh yeah, it was <clears throat> it was not much uh per month. It was thirty or fifty bucks a month, whatever you know, whatever that was. Uh, and I can recall other guys from the barracks too coming in here and there and using the phone to call back home instead of using that uh, pay phone in the hallway. Did you charge him? Because I charge. <laughs> no, ten, no, ten dollars, <laughs> ten euro, in my hand. Anyway, um, that's awesome, man. So you guys are still communicating. You're probably getting to know some of his friends by now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely stopping in to see like his parents, his sister, um, his one of his brothers, his brother Scott. Um, and then, you know, I, 
I guess I kind of saw his friends, but not really, because keep in mind it was 30 days, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it wasn't uh, wasn't like a ton. And I was going to school, um, and then I I had a job as well, and so I was I was pretty busy. Um, but then that summer, so it would have been July of 2005. Um, he flew me out to Germany for my 20th birthday. Okay. And so I, I was there for, I think it was, what, 10 days or 14 days? Uh, somewhere in that ballpark. It was enough time for us to do a, a lot of neat stuff. What did you guys do? Oh, we goodness. had Mexican food in Germany. <laughs> we had Mexican <laughs> food in Germany. Well, so, you know, I, um, being 19, I could, I could legally drink there. Um, and then turning 20 there. Um, mm. So, so you know, he took me to the uh, the finest dance establishment Schweinfurt had to offer, the Rock oh. Fabrique. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> and Is that the proceeded finest? To tell me, the yeah, finest. He, he, he told me not to touch anything. He said, Don't <laughs> touch the walls. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah, sounds um, about right. <laughs> the walls. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, by the time I came to visit, um, a lot of folks were already gone. Um, they they had left, and so um, he actually had a whole room to himself, which he had taken full advantage of. He had a couch in there and um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So, um, but I I I couldn't stay on on base. So um, at one point, I had a like a little hotel room in Schweinfurt, not on base. It was just owned by like a little German woman. Um, and then what were the other barracks that we went and stayed at? Uh, well, you got to stay at the finest uh, that the con barracks had to offer in the form of the Bradley Inn. Oh, uh, yeah. that was it. The Bradley Inn. <clears throat> they weren't too uh, bad. No, that was kind of a nice place. No. It wasn't yeah. dirty or anything. Yeah. No. Um, it's cleaner than it... the Brock Fabric, you know. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't take much. <laughs> But yeah, so we went to, um, he took me to Bamberg. Well, I shouldn't say he, Chris did. Uh, Corcoran took us to Bamberg. Hey, um, the the best damn tour, tour guide of Bamberg. Ask him about it sometime. Highly recommended. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, we had a good time. And then uh, Chris took me to Garmish, um, which was really neat because the the hotel it was like a renovated castle um right in the foothills of the alps mm-hmm. it was just beautiful yeah the place w- where we stayed uh, is the edelweiss lodge it's that oh. resor- resort building owned by the department of defense there's a song called edelweiss about the flower that they find up there mm-hmm. that's pretty cool so yeah, we yeah. know that what's that how do you know that? That's weird. Uh, I am not stupid. Hey. <laughs> I mean, you're not, but you're not knowledgeable. What? I'm knowledgeable as fuck. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. Full of knowledge. Sing useless, the song. Useless Sing the song. Knowledge. Edelweiss? No. <laughs> you guys know, it's, it's uh, not enough pay for, uh, for me to sing here. Right. So, <clears throat> enjoying Germany and enjoying your fiance. Uh, how much longer um, did you did you have uh, before you were done with your initial contract? Uh, I was all done with my first uh, my four years of active duty time in uh, March of two thousand six. March 
2006. 2006. So there was no more uh, 126 deployments for you uh, during that time? No, not not for me. No, it's, uh, uh, at the very end of my active duty time there, uh, Corcoran and I came down on orders, like briefly, like we got like stop loss orders, like mm-hmm. a week before both of us were supposed to leave. And then we brought this to someone's attention and thankfully somebody was able to get those orders changed and he and I went our separate ways. Uh, but no, there were uh, there were no more deployments that I had with the one two six. Um, I went on to deploy again, um, but uh, Sergeant McKinney, uh, that platoon sergeant that was mm-hmm. there, who um, mm-hmm. went on to be the Alpha Company first sergeant when they deployed again, yeah. he'd asked me uh, bef- just before I left Germany. I was done. He asked me during uh, some height and weight. Uh, after PT asked me if I was going to, what I would do if I came down in orders and I was going to have to deploy with that guy, with everyone again. Mm-hmm. And I looked right at him. I said, I'll start and I'll shoot myself in the fucking head. <laughs> and then I was, I found out what had happened to him mm-hmm. by reading about it when I was getting ready to mobilize and getting ready to deploy again. And, you know, the crazy things that we, we have happened to us, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. What um, that's a choice of words. You can you can't really take it back. Sometimes you you say things. Yeah. That, that yeah. uh. It... <clears throat> no, I it... wouldn't have been any. I'm glad I didn't. You know, go back on that on that deployment with those guys. I would not have been an asset to anybody. I knew better. I needed to go home. And yeah, it all worked went. out for the best. Yeah, yeah. man, and, and you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I don't know. I, I think back to like, so I've been, you know, in for this may will be 21 years. And I think back to like, you know, my time on active duty and, you know, um, you know, leaving active and coming into the reserves and thinking about should I stay active and blah, blah, blah. And you really do kind of wonder, but like, I, I was never really good at um, sometimes deciding things for myself or like being able to think about myself uh, in, in that way, being self-aware in that way. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, as as we all know, and as everybody who has listened to the last two and a half hours, four and a half hours of you talking, they know that you're an intelligent guy, that you are a self aware person, even even back then. And um, I don't know, man. That that, that kind of takes that takes a lot, I think, to be able to be honest with yourself and be like, man, like I just I, this isn't this isn't for me now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and uh, by that point, you're married, right? No, no, not no, yet. Still not married. For the second uh, well, deployment. During my second deployment, yeah, Sierra and I got uh, married in 2007. Okay. So yeah. that uh, from uh, 2005 to 2007, you're, you're out of the Army. Oh, I'm sorry, 2006 to th- 2007, you're out of the Army. Uh, what was life, what did life look like then? Uh, well, we had a little, we had a, we, we started in a, a two-bedroom apartment. And in the mm-hmm. summer of 2006, we went off and we visited Messer over there in Michigan. What did you think of Messer time. when you first met him? <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. So Messer, uh, it was kind of interesting because out of, out of all of the names that I had heard, other than actually getting, I got to meet Corcoran when I was over there. Um, Messer uh, early on had told him like, hey, she's a, she's a good woman. Don't don't let her go so 
when we rolled up to see Messer, um, I went up to shake his hand and he put both of his arms out and said, family doesn't shake hands, get in here. <laughs> um, he just, the, the sweetest, funniest, kindest man. Um, it, it was an absolute pleasure to get to spend time with him and and we had a lot of fun. Um, you know, we got to spend some time with uh, with his wife Amy and and his daughter Skyly. Who, I mean, Skyly would have been two. Um, and uh, it was it was great. And we went to uh, Cedar Point, Cedar Point uh, amusement or whatever the where they have roller coasters and stuff. And we actually have a picture um, of Messer, myself, and and Chris all on a on a roller coaster together and it's hilarious because uh, Messer and I both are clearly having a good time and Walker looks like death. (laughs) (laughs) You're not a fan of roller coasters, man? No, like I just look so angry in this picture behind these guys as we're going over this rise in the roller coaster. No, I I wasn't having fun. Oh man. Bummer. (laughs) Yeah. But that same trip, we um, I got to meet Strand too. Um, we had gone out east. My my I had uh, my brother and his family were living in Pennsylvania at the time, so we went to see them and then drove up to Buffalo to see Strand, and then mm-hmm. um, went back down and and saw Messer on our way. And at that point, it was um, when was that? July of '06. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, because they were they were building um, their new house, and he had um, he was preparing to to head back over. He had he was getting redeployed. <clears throat> yeah, man, that you you're right about Messer. That is like he really is like the the kindest, sweetest, best dude. Yeah, yeah, but you know. Life, uh, life continues. He uh, went on his deployment, um, and you guys are still uh, back at home. Uh, yeah. When, when did you hear about it? Well, we um, it was was it the same day, Chris? Was it December twenty seventh or was it December twenty eighth? Oh, I, it was probably like the next day. I can't recall, but I know that Master was killed on the. 27 yeah um and it was tough i mean because when we last we saw him it was you know we'll see you at the wedding um you know that's that's the line we we stuck with was hey we'll see you at our wedding you'll you'll be back for the wedding mm-hmm. um and he had told us both that he he wasn't gonna be making it home like he he just flat out felt it um so I was at work when Chris got the call from his mom and then he called me and um, just, um, you know, disbelief, very, very much um, disbelief because, you know, again, the whole military side of things, like I, I had never had to experience anything like that. I didn't, never lost any friends. Um I've never had to deal with that. And so, you know, I rushed home um, to be with, with Chris. And I just remember, you know, us 
embracing and crying and um, a lot of disbelief. And so, you know, we, um, we went up for, we went over for the funeral and um, we actually stayed with, with Amy and Skyly. Um, honestly, uh, I think uh, Chris was a, a really good distraction. He, he and Skyly were two peas in a pod. Um, and uh, it allowed me to be able to spend some time with Amy. And, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of, that funeral will, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, there's, it, it was surreal, still feels surreal. You yeah. know, every, every year we hit those, those dates and it just doesn't seem real. Um, and it's honestly, when Messer died, um, and Chris and I have talked about this, um, a, a part of him died with Messer. Like that's, that was a major turning point. Um, in in how he dealt with with his deployment and everything um, after the fact, it really was. Um, you, that was. I mean, he was he was the first one after you know we had all come home, I guess. And so, you know, you you, you, you don't think about like you know when you leave the army, like like uh, like Tyree and I did at that point, and we don't really think about like. You know, like our, our we know our, our buddies are still in. We know they're still going on deployments and on rotations and stuff. But you don't ever think to yourself, or maybe in the back of your mind you do, but like you're like, didn't happen to us in '04. It's not going to happen. And then it does happen. You're like, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it really is kind of uh, like you said, surreal. Like even today, it feels that way. And I mean, I I wouldn't say like I was as close with Messer as as Walker was, but it still is one of those like just a big old kick in the face. <laughs> yeah, man. Me and the, me and Kevin were in, like, I think we spoke about this before on the show uh, a few months ago <clears throat> that, uh, you know, we were in, we, I was in uh, Arkansas when we found out about it. Yeah. We were in the Walmart parking lot. Yeah. And man, talk about like uh kicking the gut. In the face, in the back, and the balls, everything. <laughs> Kick yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I remember him saying, like, man, he, he felt like some shit was going to happen and he wasn't going to come back. Even when way, way, like, before I left. And I remember, like, the day you guys drove me to the airport, um, he said something like that. I'm like, fucking don't say that shit, dude. Everything will be fine. You know? Mm-hmm. And, he, uh, he just, uh, yeah, that's what he was. <clears throat> he had that premonition or that point of view for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a long time to live with that or deal with that, and, um, like you guys were close as fuck, and and that's hard, dude. And uh, Sierra, welcome to the family. With that, like, uh, typically you you have, uh, you don't have friends who die from combat. Um, that are your your husband's friends who were also in combat it's that's heavy yeah yeah and then unfortunately um you know it was uh, i don't know maybe it was four years later uh you know we had a another friend of his that he had grown up with um who had served in the military and um took his own life 
um, you know, the, the casualty of war that never actually gets counted. Right. And, um, you know, those types of things just out, outside of, of being with him, those things just weren't in my world uh, before. So, you know, I, I feel like um, I, I probably grew up quickly <laughs> you know you get exposed to some of that stuff and um you know not not that i don't have a good time don't get me wrong but um you just it's tend not... to be a little bit i'm sorry um you just tend to be a little bit more cautious with life i guess yeah i was gonna Hell say yeah, it's not man. it's not fucking fair like life is fucking you got to go do this. You got to go to school for this. You got your friends here. You got your family here. You got your really close friends that are even closer to family. And they're fucking gone in this mm-hmm. fucking job. And it fucking, it tears me up, man. Like, I think about uh, uh, Messer all the time, fucking Billy Jack. Uh, there's so many, man. And it's a drag, like, this is what we sign up for, and this is the way that we, we some of our friends are going to go. Yeah. Either fucking from combat or from their own hand. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I, I'll say, um, you know, when I came home, I, you know, I used to talk about, like, you know, my experiences over there, and my friends would be, you know, they wouldn't just understand. They're like, explain what it feels like, and you can't, right? It's one of those things that, you know, you have to be there to kind of feel it. And I've, I've, I've often said that um, you know, I'm glad that it was me out of my friends group that experienced it because I feel like I can handle it. Right. And, and, you know, cause we, you know, we obviously know what we're getting into and what we're doing and we're trained for it, et cetera. And so on, blah, blah, blah. But like when it comes to the loss of our friends, like, I don't know, man, like I don't want to lose my friends, but at the same time, like I would rather, be the one in my friends group to bear the brunt of it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah you yeah, don't want somebody to deal with that. Yeah, you want to take that on so somebody else doesn't have to. Exactly. It's a yeah. commendable point of view. That's hardcore, dude. I, I, I strongly suggest that folks that listen to this and, and feel like uh, you have to take the brunt of that kind of stuff, seek therapy. Like, Yeah. Uh, I do. I go to therapy like once a week. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I ain't gonna try to hide it. This shit helps. Uh, it's a lot to deal with. Um, especially on your own. If you're married, that shit can bring a marriage down quick if you don't mm-hmm. have somebody to talk to. Yeah. Uh, and there's no shame in it, man. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Like, uh, you will be surprised how fast things can turn around if you have someone to talk to. And bounce ideas off of and say, hey, you know, life is going a certain way for me. I think I have to take the brunt of, of things for other folks, uh, try to alleviate the pain from other people. That's a lot to fucking take on by yourself. Man, it's I mountain. remember I remember the exact moment in my life when when I made that decision. I was six and a half years old. My oldest brother had just died in a car accident. Um and uh and I just remember being sad. I mean, you know, obviously you're sad, right? You go to the funeral and I got to notice him, man, like all these people are so sad and they're crying and they really miss this guy. And I mean, obviously I do too. He's my brother. 
But mm-hmm. like it made me sad that all these other people were sad. And so I, on the way home, I was just sitting there dwelling on it in the car, six and a half years old. And I made that. I told myself, it's like, if there's anything that I can ever do to prevent people from feeling that way, then that's what I would do. And that just kind of became like a big part of, I don't know, my personality, I guess, or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. Uh, it is, it is a lot though, but like it does, it does, it does get overwhelming and you know, I, a, a tough decision that I had to learn was that like, I can't always be the one to do that. You know, you have to have your, 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 uh, support group that you can fall back on. Um, and, uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So speaking of support groups, um, Walker, you're actually, uh, going back into the military what caused you to go back in and uh sierra how'd you feel about that um i'll let him tell his part first (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you why i i wound up i wound up getting i wound wound up asking for a a transfer out of the individual ready reserve uh, and into a a a local reserve unit a, a troop program unit uh it was a week after Messer's funeral. We went out to his funeral, and I had been I had been racked with guilt before he had died. And I, I was always work, I was always in my mind conjuring up like ways like that I could go and help him, carry him through that, and help him mm-hmm. through like we helped each other the first time. You know, like oh, how, how who in his chain of command do I reach out to and say, hey, I'm a you know, I'm in yeah. the IRR, eleven Bravo. How do I get there? You know, none of that was ever acted upon. And then, and then he died. And uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that Amy invited me to be one of his pallbearers so I could help carry him that last bit. But I was, I felt horrible after he died. And what I did was I went and talked to a recruiter and asked to be transferred to a reserve unit. And uh, yeah, and then that's what happened. Sierra, yeah. how'd you feel about that decision? Uh, um, did you have any input on that or was it like a spur of the moment kind of a thing? So I, uh, he informed me he had made the appointment and, and again, still don't really understand out in military stuff, right? Like I would not have made a go, a good full-time military spouse because there's too many rules and too many things to remember. Um, so I didn't really understand like the whole individual ready reserve and that he could like reclass or whatever um and so yeah uh, i found out just a couple days before he decided to go and um i was devastated i was devastated um i didn't want to be a military spouse um and i was terrified um, i had just a small glimpse into that first deployment and all I knew was that I didn't want him to go back. And that's part of, I didn't want to go back either. Uh, after Messer died, you know, and I did what I did, I didn't want to go back to be called up as a as an infantryman. And so part of me was, well, I know a friend in a local reserve unit, and he's always saying, come have fun. And so I, I did that. I thought I'd go hang out with these guys in, at the reserve unit in this transportation company. And... Uh, and then I wound up making friends. And then when, you know, you make those friends and then you come down on orders later to deploy again. And I thought that I could, I could leverage my prior experience as a, as a gunner during that first deployment. And I thought I could look over my new friends in a, a new capacity 
and yeah, and that deployment just didn't, you know, it didn't turn out the way that I had expected. Yeah. yeah so it was in it was in January of '07 that he went into the reserves, and it was June 9th of '07 that we got married. Mm-hmm. And off. finally, yeah. 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 oh, and, and yeah. Strand and Corcoran, yeah. Strand and Corcoran both uh, came to our wedding. Yeah, that's good that they. Uh, that's that's good they showed up for that. It's nice to have uh, see those familiar faces uh, for something so special. You know, absolutely, I appreciate it. Yeah. And then, uh, when was it? A month later, two months later, we got the news that you were going to be redeploying the next year. Yep. Yeah, it was like a month later. Yeah, so we were we were one month into our marriage when when we got the news that he was going to be deploying with the transportation unit um, in two thousand eight. What was it like uh, reclassing and and you know now you, you're going to go back uh, in a different capacity? What what was so different this second time around? Uh, well, the reclassing part was itself, you know, laid back and kind of neat. I got to reclass the 88 mic down at the, a school being held at Fort McClellan, Alabama. And uh, Fort McClellan used to be the uh, Women's Army Corps headquarters. And so I stayed in some old uh, whack barracks. And it was kind of neat because they, you, you knew it was an old uh, women's barracks because there were no urinals in any of the latrines. <laughs> Um, but the reclassing that was, it was kind of boring. It was not that much fun. Uh, being a truck driver in the army is not fun at all. It's not interesting. <laughs> not a glamorous was, gig. No, it was. And so I was going through this because I needed to be, you know, qualified in my position as everyone geared up for the deployment. And, uh, and as we got ready for the deployment, you know, within the confines of my, my platoon, uh, it was always like, oh, well, well, don't worry. You know, Walker, when we, some of these guys had run their own gun trucks in their first deployment. And so they were like, we'll get you up on a, in a gun truck and you can be a gunner up there. And I thought that'd be great. And when we were doing our uh, mobilization training at Fort Dix, New Jersey, uh, I got an M240 Bravo and I get spent time working with that as we were going through our, our pre-deployment. And I, and then at the end of our, our pre-deployment, they took that M240 Bravo back and they put it in some Connex, and I never saw the damn thing again. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's we, how that goes. And that's how that goes. Uh, and then we got over to you know, Kuwait, and we practiced more, you know, running our own convoy security and other things. And uh, and by the time we finally got up to Bob Q West up in northern Iraq as a truck company, we had other elements that provided our security. I was, these assholes told me that when we went out the gate, I was not supposed to load my weapon, that we would be in a you know, weapons control status green with no magazine in the what magazine. Well, and no round in the chamber. And I was like this, did, yeah, it was all cause these assholes didn't want to slow down and stop and clear their weapons at their final fucking de- Excuse me. My language is getting away from me, but these people, <laughs> they, they were complacent from the get go. And for me, I was, influenced by my first ex- deployment and so everything that i was going through was just 
sending off all these warning bells and danger signals. And, you know, I, I, I loaded my weapon in my truck and I told the you know, sack it to start riding with me. Good dude. I just said, listen, this is what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm not going out here without my goddamn weapon loaded. Uh, so it was just, it was so night and day and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit there and, and, and work in that environment. Just Dude, there's no way, there's no way I could be on a deployment. And so you talking about like in 2008, you went back to Iraq, right? Yeah. 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 So in 2009, there was another surge um, uh, that Obama had approved, right? So they increased the military forces. Like I was on the trail in 2009. Uh, doing drill sergeant stuff and like i mean like we had a ton of soldiers coming through um because they were beefing up the military to surge iraq again and they want you to roll out the gate uh in a green status yeah it was fucked up yeah no that's insane who goes to a combat zone and walks around with a with a with a club that looks like an m16 Somebody who doesn't want to waste time clearing weapons at a clearing that is asinine. The jail hall, I'd be pissed yeah. off. I want to. Oh, I was, and I was still pissed off all the time. <laughs> How long and was I this got, uh, deployment? Oh, it didn't last long. We got over there in October, and then I came home on leave in in January, and then at the end of my leave, I was supposed to go back, and I didn't. And I sent him a <laughs> message saying, "I'm not coming back." Yeah. <laughs> the die is cast we've crossed the rubicon you know <laughs> i'm, I'm going to interject a, a little here because yeah pri- prior to him going back he had finally started going to see a counselor like mm-hmm. um he, he mm-hmm. was going to the the va and was starting to get treatment for ptsd like mm-hmm. this had started um you know like i said after after messer died um things started to kind of spiral a little a little bit and and so he he had started to start to deal with the first deployment and then gets called up again um and then on top of it he's not allowed to load a weapon in a country that previously tried to you know he almost died so yeah <laughs> like yeah. um it, it was a really bad mix and all along he was very vocal. He was, I mean, I know this is shocking, but Walker's yeah, a say, very what? vocal guy. Whoa. <laughs> what? What? That must have been oh, a new yeah. development. I know. And really? and he and so he I mean, he tried talking to all of the, the officers he should have talked to and he went to the chaplain and he went like he was he was trying to do the right thing and tell them, like, hey, I'm not well. And uh, nobody cared. Mm. Like they just, they were like, "No, you're, you're, you're fine. That's that's normal." Um, and so yeah, when he came home on on leave, uh, I will never forget the morning that morning that he decided not to go back because um, he had an, he was supposed to be on an early flight, and I woke up and um, it was well past when the flight had had already left. And he was just, he was throwing up. Like, he was so sick to his stomach um, about the whole situation that he was, he was in his uniform, but he was just, he was throwing up and, and uh, just an absolute mess. Man. You know, and so, I don't know. Um, 
that's one thing that I think you know that, that plays into the stigma of mental health um, is that nobody seems to take it serious. And I like how you put it when you when you talked about um, you know veteran suicide is the casualty that nobody counts. Um, and I feel like you know when it comes to to, to mental health um, and you know not being a hundred percent. Like it's that's often not counted as a wound either, right? Um, I mean, it's not counted as a wound at all, right? So nobody really takes it serious. Like you, you know, you you get your leg blown off. Obviously, you're wounded. You're an amputee. We understand that. We see that. So we 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 we'll, we'll cut you some slack, you know, or you 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 know, you, you if you've been shot, I'll, we'll we'll cut you some slack. But like, you you saw some shit. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I mean, suck it up, guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 a really weird. Um, like it's, it's, uh, um, I don't know. It's trash, dude. It's fucked up. I just, I, I want, yeah. I want the, the, the and, and I feel like the military is kind of getting better at it, but like, I want them to, uh, well, the, I say that like the, the higher ups, right. They are taking it serious, right. They're looking at it as like, okay, no, these are actual things. And we've gotten a lot better. The military, the army has gotten a lot better, but I can't speak for all the branches. But the army has gotten a lot better about, you know, how they, um, respond to that sort of thing, but we still have soldiers in the ranks today that look at mental health problems as a weakness. They perpetuate that stigma, and it just blows my mind. Um, what it, it really kind of blows my mind because oftentimes those people that are perpetuating that are also suffering from it. They're just too prideful to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So, uh, and and you know that's that's part of the reason that's what part of what motivated me when I, when I did that one show about uh, my own experiences with, with that kind of stuff um, is I, I want people to understand that like, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are, how you come off, what you look like, what you did, what your experiences are, where you live, your current situation, everybody, everybody under the sun, you know, at some point in time deals with mental health uh, issues. Um, and that it needs to be destigmatized. Yeah, hopefully, it's so that it can be addressed for each person because it's, uh, well, it, if it goes unaddressed, it will just come out in other ways. I, mm-hmm. you know, people people engage in risky behaviors because they're, you know, they're they're depressed and they're not getting treatment. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> I I remember, you know, I had I during my deployment, the second one when when things were just going wrong, you know, I had no external enemy to fight. You know, they, they didn't want me to load my weapon to fight that enemy anyway. Every, so every, all my problems just turned into identifying everything around me as some, you know, near in problem. The, you know, the threat to me came, it was the people in my company, you know, the people who were wearing the same uniform. That's, you know, <laughs> so I, you know, when I wasn't getting the help that I needed, you know, I was, I was misbehaving. I was, trying to bring it to everybody's attention by in my own way saying, Hey, you know, listen, you know, listen to me say, this is all, you know, effed up here. Something's mm-hmm. wrong. We've got to do you know, change something. What, what does misbehaving for you look like? Do you remember in Germany when periodically we do these like uh, sensing <laughs> sessions? Yeah. Yeah. And they drag us over to the movie theater and we get a little before the person conducting the sensing session would come in, we get a briefing from our you know, NCOs and they'd say, just sit here and shut up. Don't say anything. Shut up. You know, let yeah. this be done and you know, don't bring up problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we had this sensing session in that second deployment where they marched elements from the battalion, my company and others over to some auditorium by our gymnasium. And uh, they brought us in there and there's this little, they put this little tiny female lieutenant in, in charge of asking everybody, you know, what their concerns are in the battalion. And uh, I wanted to let everyone know that I didn't like what was going on here. I was pissed off. So I just stood up and I said, you know, I'm specialist Walker with the 353rd transportation company. Ma'am, how does the battalion expect to maintain good order and discipline while all of its soldiers are being asked to carry out an illegal and immoral operation? (laughs) And you know what I got back was uh, applause and cheers from a lot of people who are over there feeling the same way. Like they're they're pissed off that they're over there. And so that was me. That was my way of, you know, you give me an opportunity to, to speak out, I'll speak out in the, you know, the loudest way I can, uh, within the confines of what you've given me. It's like it's like it gets to the point where it's like I, I I can't hold this anymore. I'm just gonna say what's on my mind, which you know that's the walker that I know anyway. It's just you know sometimes you probably had more tact or less tact than yeah. than uh, other times. It just kind of depends on how fed up with the situation you were. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can only I mean, imagine you're... though at at that point. I mean, I know Walker back in two thousand four or five, like. But now, like things are quite a bit different. Uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine that was probably a pretty intense moment. I mean, like, fuck, listen to what the fuck I'm saying here. This yeah. isn't a good thing that we're doing. This is. I feel bad about this. Yeah, like, yeah and that's what. Yeah, they had a combat stress clinic there, and. The function of that whole combat stress clinic is to to keep patching up what they see as broken people and sending them back out to be functional cogs within the, the machine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the little nubbins on a cog get worn down and that thing doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't matter how much you keep sending it back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kept trying to tell this one naval officer, this lieutenant commander, I was like, hey, man, I, I was relaying what happened on Easter Sunday to this guy and how years later I feel awful about this all the time. And he kept trying to say to me, well, it was done within the, the confines of the, the rules that they changed. And I don't, he kept telling me like, I don't get why you feel bad about it. And I was just pissed off and angry. Like, how are you, you, you serious? Like you're in this role and you just, you don't get why I'm upset about this, like killing people. You know, we I'm be telling you, it. I'm telling you, I feel bad about this. Why are you right. not understanding that? Right. It's, it's and, not for you to understand. Just fucking help me. Yeah, it, it it got bad enough. What got me out of there was at the end, after I had, I had gone AWOL, and I, if you stay AWOL for 30 days, then they drop you from the rolls and you're a deserter. You know, I figured out that I didn't want to be gone that long, so I was gone for 29 days, and I came mm-hmm. back, and I got to talking to this naval officer at the combat stress clinic, and he's like, I, you know, what do you want from me? And I told him, I was like, I want you to tell these people that I need to go home. Like I had to directly be very clear with this man, man saying, I want you to tell them to send me home. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> right now, the message is, call this guy, say these words. Yeah. yeah. Sierra, what is life uh, at home when all this is going on? Um, chaos. It was absolute chaos. So um, it got picked up by the local media stations. Oh, um, and I mean, it ran the gamut from um, tons of support, um, 
I mean, there were people who were sending us checks for lawyers, uh, people that got in touch with us, these groups that were like, we can, you can relocate your life to Canada. Um, and, and we had death threats, um, and, and people calling him, well, every name in the book and, and, you know, they were going to, if they ever saw him, they were going to kill him themselves. And, you know, it was, it was chaos. Um, and what's always been so difficult is, you know, he, at this point was his stance was that the, the war is immoral and wrong and we shouldn't be there. Um, but underneath that was all of, I mean, he had post-traumatic stress. That's what it was. And, but he wasn't going to say that because, it, you know, in, in his world, it was the, the war is wrong. Um, but he was, he was suffering. Um, he was, miserable and he'd go from depressed and sad to angry um and in the matter of minutes like it was just it was chaos um and you know i had people from his unit reaching out to me like um, there were officers like hey can you talk to him can you convince him to come back and (laughs) i was like i have zero control over this man at this point (laughs) like he's 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 going to do what he's going to do. He doesn't feel safe there. And he doesn't trust anybody in command. Um, how can I send him back to a place when he, he can't even trust the people in charge? Um, it was it was really difficult. Um, and Plus I don't the know media is in on it. And everyone knows. Yeah, That's fucking crazy, man. I'm sorry yeah. you have to deal with that. Yeah, that's a lot. <clears throat> you know, and, and, and it's... it's Man. You guys, you guys as a family had to deal with that, not just you. That's that's a lot. How quickly people will turn when they don't know the whole story. You know what I mean? It's weird. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, and they're probably was... and that's the another fucked up thing. It's like, hey, uh, you gonna sit here and be critical of me and send death threats and I'm the motherfucker that's gotta go through this shit. You just wrote a letter. I'm the one that's putting on the uniform. Fuck you. Yeah. Well and that was uh, I think what was so angering was you know, these people would come into our home and, and act all nice and they'd do this interview and and then you, you know, we'd hear the, the news story or we'd see the print article and it was twisted. You know, they'd omit certain things like, oh, they never talked about the loss of Messer and what that did. Mm-hmm. They never, you know, they never talked about the fact that, you know, he suffered from his first tour and what he did there. No, he was just the army reservist who deserted his his buddies, um, because that that played well. Um, it was infuriating. And how long uh, did did this shit go on for? Once he went back, they all disappeared. There wasn't a story anymore. <laughs> they lost their story. Yep. They're probably pissed off about that too. <laughs> this guy has the nerve to go back. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, not give us something good. I, I hope I wetted somebody's blanket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're probably still mad about it. Let's hope so. Yeah. He's probably sitting there right now in his home, drinking, stubble on his face, hadn't seen his kids in like three weeks, smoking a cigarette, just still pissed off everything. And good for him. <laughs> Fuck that guy. He jerks it angry. Yeah. 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 Sierra yeah, 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 mentioned, you know, I didn't, 
I didn't feel safe. And I didn't trust anybody over there. And I, there were a few people. I made good friends with you know, Murphy and Kadonski and Anderson and Heindel. And I had a few people I could trust. But when I was that combat infantryman serving with you guys that first year around, we had a company commander in the form of Captain Rockefeller, someone you know, I trusted wholly, someone who was mm-hmm. competent and displayed it. And I'm not going to tell you know the guy's name, but in my second deployment, that truck company commander, poor fella, he had some nervous tick. Some uh, he would when he gets stressed out, he barked, dude, like a dog. <laughs> and so my friend I mean, I and I, I we yeah we'd we'd hear like a wild dog barking and we'd be like, oh, that's you know Captain So and So out there. <laughs> now, it wasn't very inspiring. So it was just one. You know, if you take so many of these little things that are like not being able to load your weapon or being told not to load your weapon and then you know, not a very inspiring command structure and then uh, and there you know, were there were some them. yeah there were some internal issues with some of the officers too that I mean those people ended up getting put away mm. well you know we no nobody in Bravo 126 went around and raped anybody else from within the company oh I can't God. say that about the Army Reserve Transportation Company I served with you know Ooh. So this is a lot of like compounded stuff, man. Yeah, this is like worst case scenario all across the board. I mean, you're already suffering. Like Messer's gone, uh, fairly new to the married life, and you can't load your weapon. You have no, no. I mean, just so much shit. Like, oh my god, captain that randomly barks. Uh, It's you know what? It's like uh, what was that movie? Um, Final Destination. When you sit down on the plane, you're ready to fly, and you go and grab that knob, and it falls off. Like, oh shit. Everything here is fucking wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Man, man, me with my anxiety, uh man, I got real bad anxiety. I I don't take medication for it, but I probably should. You don't I actually I know, man. I talked to doctors about it. I mean my my therapist about it. I'm straight up, dude. Uh PTSD, anxiety, and um man, depression. That's what I got. And uh Fuck, I couldn't I couldn't imagine dealing with that, man. I'm so sorry yeah. that you uh had to go through that shit, man. You and and Sierra, you too, because fuck, man. Who's yeah, I mean, that's that's, that? a, that's a whole unknown world to you. I mean, as you said before, it's a whole unknown world to you. And now you're like, you know, it 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 gets it goes from like bad to fuck. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, and at this point I'm let's see. Um I I was twenty three at this point at home alone we had a house we had our two boston terriers um so it was me and the two dogs i was doing some freelance graphic design um and when he went back he lost rank and pay um which meant you know i Mm -hmm. had to ask my parents to help keep a roof over my head and um you know for groceries and things that you don't want to have to ask for from your parents when you're married and supposed to have your life together. Mm. Um, And then just worried about him on top of it, right? Like, you know, when he went back, um, it it was just when they decided to finally um, medically uh, remove him, right? He was medically evac'd out probably about a month it was about a month or six weeks after he had gone back. Um, 
that whole process was awful. Um, there were never any like timelines. Um, so at this point, he enters into this whole different world of the military um, of getting medically discharged. And um, he's floating around like he's in Germany for a while. And then I'm terrible at remembering all of the bases. So um, from from Germany, where did you go in the U.S.? Uh, well, we went from the Landstuhl Medical Center in Germany, somewhere that I can't remember because these people were giving me something, you know, some kind of new prescriptions, and I don't remember a lot of the travel. We were somewhere on the East Coast, and eventually I wound up settling in at uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and that's where I stayed for a, a few months now as a part of a, the Warrior Transition Unit. Mm. system and that was a lot of just sitting and waiting oh and every day just telling the same people like hey can i can i go yet are the orders here like and i would just you know send in my own like memos like hey pass this along let people know like i i, I want to be moved along mm-hmm. it sounds like part purgatory man especially if yeah Wood. yeah fort lost yeah, in the he, woods he he ended up coming home only a few weeks before the rest of his unit got back from Iraq. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, and, it, and if oh, I'm sorry, at Fort Leonard Wood though, I did see Skillen. I saw Doc Skillen there. Oh yeah, in, in passing, yeah, that was the only good thing to happen. There, there he is, tipping the scales. <laughs> Doc Skillen, <laughs> you know, I, I got, I got. I'm wonder, not gonna, so I'm like, not gonna dig on Doc badass. I'll leave. Yeah. With, with all that, with all that going on in your world, man, like running into Doc, like was that kind of like was there like 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 relief there, elation or anything? Like like how was that? Like was it like one of those, man, this is like a turning point moment? Was it? I want I want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very relieving to see a a familiar face again. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. Doc's a good dude, man. Like Doc oh, has yeah. always been a good dude. Love that guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. All right, so eventually everything gets hammered out, paperwork's done, and you're out. Uh, yeah. What happens now? What happens after that? Do you want to tell the story about when you got out? Oh well, well, me getting out, I, I, uh, they finally, I was re- medically retired in 2011. Oh, 2011. So there was yeah, quite a bit of time. Yeah, because I got called up for that deployment in 2008. And I was on active duty orders then for about the next uh, three years. Dang. Yeah, and and the last year and a half or so that was me just, you know, a couple few days a week going to the local Army Reserve Center and sitting on my ass and shooting the shit with somebody and you know periodically moving a truck or something. But yeah, I was just waiting for my uh, retirement papers to come through, and uh, I got. Promoted six times to be retired as an E4 specialist. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, man. <clears throat> but it all worked out, right? I mean, so medically retired, done with the army, yeah. finally, like finally. done, right? No mo. Um, and on 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 the journey to being a better Chris Walker. Oh man, yeah, I'm so glad you opened that that way because now I have to share this story that I think Sierra was trying to get me to go to. Yeah, I'm done with the army. I signed my I signed my retirement paperwork. They gave me my folded up flag in a little cardboard box and I threw it away. But I went and got a 
I went and got my army retired hat because I was so proud of what I'd done, even though I didn't want their flag. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then I had to fly out back uh, up to Green Bay out of, I think I was at Fort Knox. And uh, there was a layover in Chicago. This is a travel tip for anybody out there. Never, ever, ever fly through Chicago or go to Chicago or look at Chicago on a map. It's a bad place. <laughs> <laughs> right. So just wipe your memory and everything you know of Chicago. Gone. Alcohol. Go on. I'm sure if you can tell, he doesn't like Chicago very much. Michael Sounds Jordan, like none of it. Good. Uh, we can keep the Bulls, right? <laughs> He said all of Chicago. Okay, they're the, they're the no Illinois bull, Bulls. Man. No bull, man. No bull. They're the Illinois say, Bulls. I'm not sure if he even knows the Bulls. He's not a sports guy. <laughs> Is that hockey? Exactly. <laughs> Stop it. Exactly. Stop it right now. <laughs> this, show, this show is over right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm retired. I'm done. And I, I'm getting ready to go back home. But I've got this layover in Chicago. And my flight, last flight out of the night, gets canceled. And I'm stuck in this third world shithole. And I've got to stay at a local hotel. <laughs> and uh, I've got time enough to kill. So I go down to the local, the, you know, the in-house bar. And I have Jack and Cokes or so, probably. And having a good time. And I've got my hat on. And I'm proud. And, you know, I the night started like any good night should. Just smiles and making conversation with people. But I swear, I don't remember what happened. Because after a time, I was on Blackout Drive. Um, but I think somebody, you know, put down my hat or my achievements in the army or something. And then I said about destroying the hotel's elevator system and incapacitating it and, and just destroying their mechanical room. And, uh, and when they, when the cops found me a little bit later, I was in this filthy white t-shirt because I had been up on top of some high voltage lines that you know, I was all covered in grease. I had just... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Somebody, I just, I was drinking and I, something set me off and then I got destructive. And I wound up spending the night in, in the clink. And and then I and went he back. Didn't, he wasn't carrying a phone that he was answering at that point either. So I did not know anything other than the flight had gotten canceled. Hmm. That sounds familiar. Sounds like the stampers, except in reverse. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so you uh, get detained by the police for for a night. Uh, you you sleep it off. What happened from that? Well, they they just let me out into the cold morning air, and I wound up I walking my ass back to that hotel. I had to get my stuff. And when I got there, there was already like another Chicago cop there. And, uh, you know, I, I checked out. The cop took me up to my room to get my stuff. And my room was pristine. Like I had not done anything to my room itself. The room I rented was fine. I'd just done that damage to the elevator and the mechanical room. And this uh, a really nice female cop gave me a lift to the airport, gave me a smoke, you know, bummed me a smoke. And, you know, we sat and chewed the fat on the drive and, and I got my flight and you know, got back home to Green Bay. Hmm. So no charges, then, no anything, just well, well, we had to go back. There were, oh. you know, I, there were there court, were court appearances and legal fees, but yeah, I was, they had the best $10,000 lawyer we've ever had. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping that that, was gonna, that cop was going to be like, listen, man, listen, as you're sitting there smoking a cigarette outside the airport, hey, and it takes a drag. She's like, listen, don't you ever come back here. You understand? <laughs> However they talk in Chicago, I have no idea. And then she just blows it out. She gives you the squinty eye look, and you nod, she nods, and then off onto the plane you go, and then that's that. And that's why you hate Chicago, because you're convincing yourself that you don't like it when really you do like it, um, but you can't like it because you can't go back. Well, this is like a ball of yarn. <laughs> just unraveling <laughs> it, man. Just getting to the heart of it, man. <laughs> that's what we do here. We give okay. it a shot anyway. Is that is that what we do here? No. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not what we do here. Never mind. Those balls of yarn stay yarned up. Yeah. Okay. They don't Keep your balls to yourself. Yeah, there you go. Um, Words to live by. So you're discharged, you're back home. Uh, what does life uh, consist of uh, after that? I'm assuming uh, it's just a lot of trying to get your feet together. Yeah, it was, you know, it, for the first year, it was a little bit of just being done with the, what had been the routine and then settling in to be a, uh, a family man and, and taking that in as my identity we, uh, we and owning that as my, my place in life. We had a, our daughter in 2013, uh, our first, Hell yeah. first child. Yeah. <clears throat> so with all the things going on in your world, right, and you know, officially retired, back home, uh, were you working? No, I tried to finish up a degree I had started, but that didn't pan out. And then I just said to hell with it all. Yeah. I'm going to focus on being a, being a homemaker and supporting Sierra. And I'll, I'll clean all the common areas and I'll do the cooking and the laundry. And you just focus on your career. And then yeah. we both work to support each other in our own way. And, and that's paid dividends. Yeah. And then well, I mean, uh, ask for it, man. To his credit, I mean, he, he did try. You know, yeah. he, he yeah, attempted yeah. To, to go out and work, but. It just, uh, you know, dealing with normal people can be exhausting. Tell me about it. Tell <laughs> me about it. And uh, and so, it, yeah, we, you know, we were able to figure out, um, you know, uh, I, I like to work. I, I enjoy working. It's, you know, it keeps me busy. And so we were able to, to figure out how to um, kind of, you know, reverse roles. Once once we had Lillian, um, he, he stepped up and... and um, you know, I mean, he cooks all the meals. He does laundry. He does all the cleaning. He takes care of the animals. Um, I've I've got it made. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you hit, you, hit, you hit the jackpot on hot or not calling that guy I out. I absolutely did. I mean, um, <laughs> I, you know, but all of that, it's it, you know, there's been a lot of of difficulties. Like, you know. Um, I mean, he does. He he has PTSD, and so it's been a process of, you know, uh, starting out with the the local VA, um, and you know, after attempting that for I don't know a couple of years, um, you know, he finally got off all of the medications they prescribed and started going to the local vet center. Um, but it it's definitely not like rainbows and butterflies and hey we're we get to have this normal life um because we don't like mm. it's um now, and I, was, I was i was gonna say so like you know uh you you hit the jackpot but i mean so did he though right because one one other thing that we see 
in the veteran community is a really, really, really high divorce rate. Um, spouses just can't seem to figure it out uh, because it is stressful, right? Um, we, you know, those of us that go through the things that we all went through and, and, and having to feel the residual effects and all that, like it's a lot. It's a lot for somebody to handle. It's a lot for to ask somebody else to handle, right? Like we put ourselves in that situation essentially, Mm-hmm. Um, but the spouse is just there. I mean, and they can very easily, it's very easy for some of these people to, to, you know, to see that, that exit, you know, and be like, that's, that's the easiest route for me. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, so like, I mean, so, so for you to, for you to, you know, be strong for him and to, to hang out and to, you know, we're in this together kind of mentality. Um, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you are aware of how big of a deal it is, but it really is like, it's, it's, um, so y'all both hit the jackpot, which is, uh, annoying and I hate it. I think the <laughs> best, best possible name I can think of for this episode is the hot or not jackpot. Oh my God. That is perfect. There is my, my father is going to be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so, awesome though. Um, Mr. Mom now. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Mom. Hey, <laughs> man, there's nothing wrong with it. Hey, yeah. you got to do what you got to do yeah. like, uh, to, to keep this family going. That family is expanding. You, you have uh, how many kids now? One, two? Uh, two. Two kids. Yep. Um, everything. You're continuing to work on things mentally. Uh, you continue to try to work on things for your family. Uh, Sierra continues to try to do, you know, what she can do uh, to to feed everyone. I guess uh, to keep the, the the lights on. She brings some uh, of the bacon and then yeah, there you walk, go. Walker fries it up. Yeah, that's what I like to say too. That's right. Yeah. And you know, would you consider everything like a happily ever after kind of a story? Like, uh, you know, we're still rolling down this uh, river, but it's not as rough now. I Even like though I'm sure the rapids, river, but... the rapids still pop up because I tell you what, man, it's it's all you need is one bad day. But oh, uh, sure. um, I'm so glad that you guys have this for yourselves and for your family. And I'm so glad and grateful that you guys actually shared this with us because God knows, like, or whoever you believe in, whatever knows that uh, the spaghetti monster knows that. Uh, <laughs> It's not fucking easy. Like uh, my wife, my wife is a therapist, or I'm sorry, marriage and family therapist, and I'm gonna have her on, uh, and we're gonna talk about some of these things, and uh, talk about some of our relationship issues because, again, it was not easy, and it's not easy. Uh, but I, I'm I'm so grateful that you guys uh, decided to come on and share your story with us. Well, no, and I'm for having us on. It's been it's been great. I'm super excited that you guys are like, I'm telling you, man, your, your guys' origin story and where y'all are today is just, it makes me so angry in a happy way. Um, with it, really with the angriness? Yeah, and I love it. Like, I, I really do, man. Like, God damn, like, I need a snicker. I know. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. So um, I'm always happy to see the people like, you know, that I, that I care about, like, end up in, in great situations. Right. Uh, cause that kind of falls back into the decision I made when I was six and a half years old. And Walker has always been somebody, uh, from, from, from the moment I met him to, to today, he's always been 
you have always been one of those people that just like I I give a fuck about like you're a great dude you always have been mm-hmm. um I, I I you know I could probably sit here and name 15 things about Tyree that annoy the shit out of me oh man right <laughs> and he could probably do, I mean off the off the top of my head you know yeah. what I mean and he could probably do the same for me right give me a piece of, of paper right? and handle it and some time. <laughs> But like, man, Walker, I, I can't think. I, I, if I, if I, man, I would say I would be thinking for a while. I'd have to like time travel. Like, did Walker ever do anything shitty? Was he ever a bad, annoying person? No. I'd be dude. happy to help Kevin. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, but I'm, I was going to say there's a bit of a gap where you weren't around for all that. For sure, and plus, obviously, Sarah, you guys have a way more uh, intimate relationship than Walker and I ever did. I mean, he and I may have crossed paths in the shower. Um, but never cross swords. Crossed. Never yeah, cross swords. <laughs> never cross the streams. I learned that in Ghostbusters. But um, no, nah, man, it's just it's just really it really is great to hear that like that that like he has you to um to be there and that you have him uh to be there. I mean, I don't know, man. I love it and I hate it. Well, it's uh, you know when we I listen to the stampers. Um, you know, Sabrina said something that was very relatable and like that you kind of get to the point where you've done life with somebody, like you're never going to do those things with anybody else. It's it's them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for all the things that he's been through and, um, you know, my, my whole thing and Tyree said it earlier too, like counseling, right? Get, get help. Help is important. Um, I honestly uh, attribute our success in our relationship um, to not being afraid to go get help. Um, he, you know, he has a counselor. I have a counselor. We have a marriage counselor. Uh, like we, we've had to go through all that. You know, we have a, a standing date night every Thursday um, in order for us to just make sure that we take that time together. And it's, having to recommit and when one of you wants to walk out the other one has to be strong enough to pull you back in mm-hmm. um, and at a certain point I mean you know it's uh, both people have to put in the effort Yeah, it's you know um, I've, I've had my share of, of times where I've, I've been done and I've wanted to walk out and, and he looks at me and says I'm, I'm not giving up are yeah. you? And, you know, after everything that we've been through, I'm not going to sit there and tell him, well, no, I'm, you know, yes, I'm giving up. No, we've been through all of this already. To throw in the towel now, it's like, oh, yeah, too much. Yeah. I, uh, I talked to an army chaplain when I was in Germany because I was engaged to get married. And um, it was part of the protocol, right? You had to talk to a chaplain and regardless of your beliefs. And one of the things he told me, and it's, and it's always stuck with me, is that, a relationship is like a bank, right? So you, you, you need to keep an even, a balance of 100, right? And, you know, so you put in 50, they put in 50. And some days, some days, you know, work is hard and, you know, you might only be able to put in 30. So on those days, you know, there's got to be a little bit of, you know, give and pull, compromise or whatever. And you, the, the other one needs to be able to come up with that additional, you know, whatever the math is. I can't do math right now. So you know what I'm saying? Like they need to come up with that additional that, that additional twenty to so that you're always at that 
that balance of 100. I mean, you may not maintain that all the time because obviously with wear and tear and compounded stuff and all that, but like, so long as you get back to that 100, and I feel like you guys having the standing date night on Thursdays is a way of doing that, right? It's a way of, 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 uh, I, I just making sure that the, the balance is, is, is even where it needs to be at 100. Right. So like no, no cares, no worries. You guys are just in it. And, 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 and it might be like one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, like every Thursday you just, you go off and you do your thing and you're just reminded of, of, of why you two are in the relationship. And, and, and I think, I think that's awesome, man. That's badass. Yeah. Well, early on when we, uh, it was our, our marriage counselor. So fun story when the first time we went to go to marriage counseling, it was his counselor and my counselor and we get into the same room and he got so pissed he got up and left it was within five minutes it didn't go well so we got a different marriage counselor and uh but when they when they made the suggestion early on there were days it was date night and we had been fighting like we were not in a good place and we weren't speaking to each other but he'd come in to whatever room i was in and he'd go well, I'm still hungry. Can we at least go have dinner? <laughs> like, can we at least go do that? And mm-hmm. I'd agree. And, you know, dinner would be tense. But by the end of the night, like, we're conversing again. And we're starting to work our way through the issue. And so, um, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. Because I, I can tell you, I'm stubborn. Um, I was not about to walk in there and offer those olive branches when, when he did. Um, and, and that's what I've always said is like, it's the effort and marriage counseling and and individual counseling, I just think are, um, huge, huge pieces to, to progress, especially with relationships and trying to understand, um, you know, this, honestly, this podcast has been amazing, um, because, you know, when, when Chris has told me things over the years, it's like, it's like watching a movie, right? If you've never, like, I can watch Saving Private Ryan. I've never been in war. So I don't know what that's like. I can watch Band of Brothers. It's somebody else's story. It's a story because I've never experienced it. So as much as he's told me over the years, it's a story. It's hard to imagine that as a reality. Um but when you hear multiple people talking about the same story and being there, um, I don't know. It just it it's been really neat and helpful to get the perspectives of everybody that's that's been there um, and what they've been through. So I thank you guys um, because for me as a spouse, um, it's been it's been really helpful to better understand him and, and what he's been through and, you know, um, just get a, get a different perspective on, on where he's at and, and what he's done. Tell you. Hey, thank you for sharing your story with us because uh, it's, it's hard to open up. It's, it's not easy. Nobody wants to, I mean, some people want to sit around and talk about it all day, but it's hard to get some people to get to that point where you're like, Hey, I, I can talk about this. And, and yet the four of us are sitting here talking, but like potentially there could be hundreds of people that listen 
And I think that's going to help people understand, like, it's okay. You, mm-hmm. can, you can go get help or you can talk to your friend because they might be going through the same thing you're going through. Yes. And it's okay. Like, Not only can you talk about it, you should. Yes, 100%. And one of the things that we thought about with this whole show um, was just talking about stuff, just getting it off our chest, whatever, whatever that it may be, just uh, go ahead and let it out. And I'm so happy that it's affected people the way it, uh, it has. And I can't wait to keep doing it and uh, improving and, and getting better at it, at, you know, interviewing because hopefully I, we are. And, uh, and I'm so glad that people want to participate. I'm so grateful that you guys wanted to do this. I mean, three shows, I think we're going to like six, seven, eight hours with you, with, with the Walker family, more or less. Um, I think it's beautiful, man. And again, if it helps one person, cool. Um, but it'll always be here. You always have these tapes. They'll never go away. We're not going to delete them. Uh, they'll always be here so you can play it for your kids and they can hear like how brave their father was dealing with this and how strong mommy was dealing with this. And it's a beautiful thing. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on. <clears throat> oh, well, thank you too, man. I love what, what you guys are doing here. I love what we're all doing here. And I think this is great. Yeah, no, it's definitely everybody that comes on the show, man. We're just, we're just providing the platform for everybody to tell their stories, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, sure. We're giving people a time and a place if we can remember to be there on time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so on that note, uh, I think it's a good place to end it unless somebody else has something to say. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, folks, thank you guys so much for listening to Before I Forget. Please uh, like, listen, and subscribe. Tell your friends about our show. And, uh, we have a lot of fun, um, but we have so much more to talk about. So, yeah, please uh, enjoy. Before I forget, like, listen, share, subscribe, and yeah, I know. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Sound good? Yeah. Peace out, guys. <laughs>